My name is Susie Can, and I hope you enjoy exploring with me the thoughts that come with this thread. If you have any interest in supporting what I'm doing or getting in touch, please do so through the website kylak.ie, where you will also find other resources and connections that I create around each podcast so that if some of the tweaks of interest come to you through them, you have a place to go to go a little further and deeper or to find other information or to find a way to support by maybe wanting to collaborate or offer something or even a donation. Thanks for listening. In this last well-being episode, I want to touch on the concept of development, which has been the foundation for a framework to talk about well-being, to talk about the way we are born and grow as children and change in adolescence and emerge into adulthood has been one of the foundations of psychosocial understanding and particularly influenced by different theorists. One uh, that I have in some ways referenced is Eric Erickson, who looked at development as something that needed to be achieved at each of the different ages. So I thought I'd go through those a little bit And just referencing back, trying to integrate all that I've been talking about and different ways that we work with these sorts of ideas. And then to finish up, take the last three stages together, what Erickson conceived of them anyway, as being somewhere from 18 to the 40s, changed then into midlife from the 40s into the 60s, and then the last and latest stage of life from 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and if you're really lucky, hundreds, and have a long life. To recap a little bit on things that I talked about when we are first born, Erickson characterized the need that needed to be met in tiny baby infants in their mother's womb into birth and into about age one and a half was of trust versus mistrust. I think I talked about that primarily around the idea of attachment and the different possible conditions that support and help attachment and some of the interruptions and traumas that can happen with that early attachment. And so that makes sense as to why Erickson frames that as having trust in the world, trust that at that very earliest infant stage, the world will meet your needs. You will feel uncomfortable and be cuddled or changed, clothed and made warm. Or you will feel hungry and food will miraculously appear. And that that then sets up a condition in a way as to whether you can hope that that will continue. So you, you have that expectation in you. Whereas When the toddler stages come along, it's much more about the beginning of independence, that first go at 
autonomy and seeing whether you can walk by yourself and talk by yourself and feed yourself and do up your clothing or carry things and all those different types of physical skills that toddlers experiment with. And they show a great deal of will if that stage is developed, that they can develop their will to do things and their tenacity to figure something out. Erickson characterizes that toddler stage as being psychosocial crisis. Either the toddler's going to get through that stage feeling autonomy, feeling able to do the things a toddler can do. Or what he talks about is the environment around them putting on them a sense of failure at not reaching the stages of autonomy that they're trying to reach through will. And so the kind of opposite at that stage is feeling of shame or self-frustration and that that's the challenge to work with from that stage. Then that little kid, a small child from three to five to six years old, is beginning to figure things out that's a really fun age to watch that older toddler having a purpose and a purpose that's often a mystery to the adults around them as they work carefully and purposefully on something of their own initiative. And again, the environment that initiative is received in, in how much feedback from just the natural consequences of their experiments in the world versus any kind of coercive control or guilt-making control that means that they can go forward with purpose and initiative or again a kind of a sneaking um, and guilty activity in the world because it's being frowned upon, their initiative is being frowned upon or their things that they see as having a purpose, they're being foiled and told they don't. So then there is the kind of increase in competency as the older child is really able to carry out not just those interesting little activities, but they come to actually being able to create their own projects in a way, their own output of artistic endeavor and creative endeavor or of practical endeavor of the making and doing stage. A word that Erickson used for it was industry, feeling productive, feeling able to carry out things, maybe learning to read and or writing their own stories or doing dishes or beginning to make things like baking and cooking and so on. And that again, that word then of competency, of feeling competent, if that's achieved, if the child is, is supported and encouraged and has environments to pursue something that they want to a level that, that pleases them, they can feel joy of the world of doing. Or if not, he uses the word inferiority, that they can feel that lack and not being able to move forward as a result of a lack of support, perhaps, or perhaps a difficulty begins to be more apparent, an ability they don't have that they wish they did have. And that could be a very clear ability that they are feeling they lack and feel inferior about, or it could be a culmination of several different things coming together and meaning that they can't 
carry out and do what that was they hoped they would. And so that then plays into that long stage of adolescence from the kind of early teens up till the later teens, where checking out what their role is going to be in the world that is a a reaction to or an integration of what they're capable of doing in the world. So trying things out, testing their edges, testing their identity, which I talked about quite a bit on that episode of identity formation that comes through over and over in different ways, but really hits its critical and intense period in older adolescence. And that that allows a kind of trust in the self to develop. Erickson talked about the basic virtue of that stage of being fidelity, but it's fidelity and commitment to things in the self that slowly emerge as identity versus role confusion is worked out. And again, like with all of these, the environment in which this takes place. And it is something that identity is remade over and over in throughout life as roles change, as niches in the world open and close, and as the environment around you supports or denies the identities that you're exploring, the identities that you're developing. And so it's a stage that I think we sometimes return to in different cycles and go back into confusion, go back into uncertainty about who we are and what we trust in the world, in ourselves and where we fit. Then moving on to if we've passed into at least an identity to be working in the world with, to trust ourselves enough with this much longer stage of adulthood from the 18th up till midlife is really the the stage of new relationships outside of whatever the primary caring relationships have been, the school-aged friendships, the adolescent friendships. And it's kind of the deepening of those new relationships and longer-term relationships. So Erickson characterizes that as of love and of intimacy. And the, the alternative to that is, of course, loneliness and isolation. And when I think of that stage as being so long and different things, supporting it, working out relationships of love breaking down and new friendships forming, often through crises and through difficulty and people being there for each other at difficult times, reaching out to ask for help, such a critical period, I think especially in the 20s when it's needed as young people test themselves in the world and it can be lonely and then slowly develop the ability to take a leap of trust, a leap of a risk. And then just what happens in that and what what foundations have, are in place with, from that, what how well it's gone at the other stages of development really influences that what traumas might be there, what damage, what mistrust, what flight, fight and freeze responses could still jeopardize developing intimate relationships, developing close friendships and even trusted work relationships. And there's something there also about reputational relationships, something that was very strong in different cultures of work 
of what your relationship in your productive life, wherever it is that you're trying to find ways to be in the world and do in the world and also meet your needs and wants in the world. And that's all through relationship. Erickson, as I say, talks about that as intimacy and isolation. And the stage that I am now in, which is really passing midlife and going on into baby elderhood between the ages of kind of the 40s and into on up ahead on the horizon, the 60s, that's a really obviously one that I've been particularly thinking about and particularly thinking about it as a woman as well going through a menopausal stage. I kind of called that a going through adolescence backwards. So it's similar kinds of length of time for perimenopause. It's about 10 years of hormonal changes and there's a lot of study about that not being gender specific or at least that it's experienced across the genders in some form or another. A lot of that is whether you can find ways to integrate things from your life lessons and see where you're going to put them to use. It feels like you have that shift in productivity that you have been doing in order to provide shelter, relationships, working life, income in order to live in the system in which we live. And there is a shift to doing as you get older in this sort of culmination of your life stage. Erickson said the basic virtue of that is care. And I think it is about what have you found you deeply care about and who do you deeply care about? And from that, can you still be creative? Can you still generate something? He talks about it as generativity versus stagnation. And it's written about quite a lot in a lot of the literature about later midlife. You get these kind of characters in in novels and films that are regretfully stagnating, that they feel a sense of missed opportunity and chances lost and that they, that you know, you often have these kind of pathos characters that epitomize the stagnation element or the risk of that, the stopping of growth, the the rigidity. I remember reading, and this is something that also kind of is there for the later life. I remember reading about aging and talking with a Steiner-based doctor who said that all aging is a kind of stiffening of everything. So in the body, there's a hardening of the arteries and a stiffening of the joints. And so I think that that stagnation risk is like another one of my aunts who's a physiotherapist talks about it in the body as move it or lose it in terms of your range of motion. So you've got to keep the joints moving. And I think that's what Erickson was really tapping into and talking about when he talked about the stage of generation versus stagnation, because it's very much that stage of move it or lose it in in your flexibility of thought and your mind. And I certainly feel like it's something that being around younger people really helps me to keep what I'm giving back to society or giving back to younger people by encouraging and listening and what they're bringing into the the world of that earlier stage that you've just passed from and not failing to find a way to contribute, still being able to contribute, but just it shifts, it's, it's in a different way. And I feel like for me, it's been a lot about finding this word of 
service of what I'm in service to now. It's a different type of generating it or making your mark. There's less ego in it or something. There's more of a stepping back and saying, well, where can I be useful? And where can I feel like I'm involved? Because that shallower involvement in the world, that too shallow, too step, too much stepping back can feel like that stagnation as well. Ideally, there's that development of care, feeling like you still care about things in the world and that you can be of service to them. And the stage that I see ahead of me, that I have friends that are older than me by 10 or 20 years, and you can see what Erickson described that as being about the acceptance that this is been your life cycle. This is your one and only wildlife, as somebody is quoted as saying, that whatever had to be, had to be. So it's in a way there's relationship between that and it is something that already I think begins in midlife and increases, of course, as you get older, which is that there's a lot of loss increasing because people older than you are dying and passing on through their final cycle of life and people around you might also be as you get older. And so there's something about facing mortality, the potential for despair at that, the despair that you only have this time left to you, or that despair that you will die and be done with whatever your action in the world, your love in the world, your experience of the world is. And so There is some relationship, I think, to stages of grief at that age and my age to accept and to realize that your bargaining power for life is diminishing. That mentioned often, Stephen Howard Booner said, we're all biodegrading, by the way. So there's that recognition of letting go and releasing and being at the winter of your life, the cycle of the leaves falling off, trying to reconcile whether you've lived your life with integrity, whether you're satisfied, whether there is reparations to be made, ways to try to make your peace with how you have lived your life and let go things you cannot repair as well. Because again, that's that alternating state that needs to be balanced. And so what Erickson calls that is integrity versus despair. If you get through it all, that you have gained as much wisdom as one life can give you and whatever you have learned and whatever you have experienced and that can still be shared. And I think as well there is the connection, that affinity of the very old with the very young when you see very old people delight in the toddlers. And I think that interestingly that midlife stage is similar. It's like actually looking and understanding the adolescents as young elders and those kind of new rebels. There's some affinity there saying, go on, I didn't get to do it all. Why Go for it, rebel in the face of it. But sometimes that's also a conflict um, where an older person isn't able for the energy of a tiny, busy toddler or where somebody facing into their own midlife crisis is struggling with the crisis of identity that teenagers are having. But they're just interesting kind of overlaps and links, I think. Having explored these stages of development, one of the things that I've hoped to place in them is the notion of the helps 
the things that can be as the as the movement was described the self-help movement and there are a lot of different therapies that have evolved as i explored the creative arts therapies i loved the potential of the arts for being able to express all manner of thoughts feelings successes, pain, anguish, being able to still through the art, be at enough distance from the traumatic things to be able to try to integrate them. And also the kind of broader supports that are now available to look at how do you integrate with your social skills? How do you integrate through your life with your livelihood what what are you going to change or do? And so there's all sorts of coaching and different support groups that didn't exist when I was young. There's multiple different kinds of support groups. And I think that each of these are not necessarily revisiting in a kind of Freudian type of classical psychotherapy that says that to to figure out what's going on in your now, you have to go back and understand everything that happened to you at every stage of development, because that's very reductionistic and can tend to get people stuck in a very a Pandora's box that has no bottom of everything that happened. But revisiting things through your development and thinking, had I, how am I doing with that? Have I am I getting through that? Am I integrating my experiences? Can be a helpful tool to think about. It's rather than it's any kind of factual analysis of the exact stages of development. It's it's more of a framework through which, and I hope that's what this uh, thread of the podcast has been about, is just a bunch of different frameworks through which development can be considered and that through woven through it is the idea of arts and eco-psychology and nature-based psychologies. But there are other tools out there to think about. There's tools that help you think about your thoughts, like cognitive behavioral therapy that sees how your thoughts creating your feelings or how they perpetuating feelings. How you look at the world is largely how you think of the world as well as what you take in through your senses. Whatever about whether there are definite and discrete stages of development across an entire lifespan, I think there may be many, many ways to describe a life, to think of the metaphors of a life. I do like the kind of idea of the year cycle of a life where you have the beginning of a new year to the end of the cycle of a year. It's our one. Beginnings, spring of our lives and the energy of that and then into the summer's fertility of the creative, productive part of our lives, and then the autumn magical potential. Imagine and weave what your life is being and continues to be, and then back through again to winter. Another framework to think about and explore where your life's journey is taking you, and what the different potentialities are in all of those. And I think somebody said to me once that wisdom, because you may be old, you might get to an old age, you contain all the other ages you've been still in you. And I I like to think that because I like to be able to 
completely revert to the childlike parts of myself and play and be silly and not just do that around children, although it's definitely more permission when you're around little children to be absolutely playful and daft, Um, but equally to be sympathetic with the times when I return to a lack of clarity about my identity or my niche or my role or my confidence and to just allow that bit back in again and instead of being an absolutely sure rooted rigidly thinking adult that I know everything now and I know what I'm doing. I think that's part of the benefit of having an awareness of and not forgetting the stages of our lives and tapping into them again to help keep our present in balance.